Well, our passage this morning is going to be a familiar passage to many. It's at Proverbs 29:18. The NIV version says, "Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed are those who heed wisdom's instruction." A more familiar to many will be the King James version that says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he." So we're going to continue our vision quest uh, this, this week. This is the second week of a two-week uh, sermon series. Last week we saw that a godly vision includes all the wide variety of people on earth that neither Jew nor Greek, in other words, chosen and unchosen, the walls that, that separated us. Jesus came and he took all that away and said, it doesn't matter if you're slave or free, and, and it, the divisions that we tend to put in place, God says, no, all people. I'm here for all people. And so we talk some about that, Jesus breaking down that wall. And that means that our vision here needs to do the same, that, that we need to build people up while breaking walls down. And that also would show us is quite different from what's going on in the world around us and outside of us as we seek to be peacemakers and peace bringers. And the second part of last week was any godly vision needs to include God. God. <laughs> A godly vision has to include, come on now. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's the no-brainer part, right? It's that a godly vision had better include God or else it, we're going to get off track. So we need to include God in the vision that, that we have. See, we serve a God that gives us access to him and wants us to have confidence that we can come boldly to his throne in faith and come to him. That just blows me away. The creator of everything out there, all the galaxies and all, all the worlds and all the planets and all the way down to the microscopic stuff that I don't know what it is, um, that stuff too. God created all of that and he wants to be in a relationship with us and wants us to be able to come to him and that's astonishing and that's who God is he says come come on this week's passage is short but it's very powerful where there is no revelation the people cast off restraint but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction the Cambridge and Bible school commentary says this about our proverb. We may then a little amplify the proverb for the sake of exposition. Where there is no living revelation, no perceived contact between man and God, where the bonds which hold society together are relaxed and broken, but he that holds by the revelation that has been given, obeying the law as far as it has been presented to him, happy is he. And it's important to note that this kind of revelation, this, this kind of vision is the prophetic wisdom and vision that was given to the prophets in the Old Testament. It's God speaking through his prophets to the people of Israel. It's not just what we see. It's not the human vision. It's beyond that. It's a godly vision that we're seeking. It's a prophetic vision. And God gave the Israelites direction through his prophets in the Old Testament. He revealed his plan to them. But where there is no prophetic vision, the people get out of line and stop following good instruction is one way to read this proverb. But the bottom line is that when we don't have direction, we end up losing momentum and usually wander around for a bit 
and get lost. And the best example of that is also in the Old Testament as there were these guys called the Israelites who spent 40 years wandering around. They came to the promised land, got scared because God said, go in. And they were like, those are some big guys in there. I don't think we can take them. In other words, they saw it from their perspective. And they ended up wandering in the desert. Fear kept them from entering the promised land, the place that God had for them. And so they ended up going around. That generation went away. The next generation came in and fulfilled God's vision, fulfilled God's plan for them as a people. And that still happens for us in churches where there's a vision or direction, things go well for a while, but at some point that vision gets lost or, or it becomes less about God and, and more about the people who are in the church. Y'all have been in, in those kind of, I've certainly been in those kind of places where it becomes more about me and what I'm comfortable with and less about God and the challenge that he's putting on me and us. And I get complacent. And that keeps us from moving forward boldly into the place that God would have us to be. The thing is about wandering in our society, there are options. So we often choose to move on to a place where there is a godly vision and join with a movement going on in that place. It's the nature of us in the church. God doesn't stop moving, but he sometimes shifts course. So you can be going one way and he says, okay, a little bit this way now. And if the vision of the church isn't regularly seeking self-examination, if we're not regularly going, where are we? Are we on track? We have a vision team that's meeting now. That vision team is going to continue to meet because we're on a path and, and we don't know exactly where it is that God's taken us. And we've got to continue to examine where we are and where we're going so that we can adjust along the way to honor who God is in this place. It's human nature to get lost along the way. To think, this is where I'm going to go and I'm just going to hold firm to my path. God rarely allows that. God usually bumps us to to move into a new place, a little bit of uncomfortability. And in our country, it used to be that people would look for a church when they moved into a community. If you were a United Methodist in California and you moved to Georgia, what would you do? Look for a United Methodist Church so that you could plug in and be a part of the community because the church was a part of the community. If you were a Baptist, you'd look for a United Methodist community. No, wait. (laughs) You'd look for a Baptist community so that you could, a Presbyterian, you'd look for a Presbyterian community. You know, that's the way that it used to be. Because the church was, was, was a fulcrum. It was a place that people came and got to know each other. They came to the church. The church didn't necessarily go to them. Which isn't exactly how the early church was. It was a movement in community. We didn't have buildings. We met in people's homes and businesses. And when your expectation is that everybody's going to come to you, you become complacent, naturally, because they're going to come. We don't have to engage with them. And that leads to unhealthy expectations, because at its best and at its core, the church is, is supposed to be a movement in our community. 
Yes, we come together to praise God and to offer, offer our praises and glorify Him on Sunday morning. But this building is not the church. Amen? Amen. The church is us. Look to your neighbor and say, you are the church. Now tell another, another neighbor, you are the church. Okay, now tell somebody you are the church like you mean it. <laughs> you are the church, absolutely. You are the church. We are the church together. It's not this building, and it's not any other building. It's us. The body of Christ is living. It's a living organism. It's us together. We belong to one another. We are called to make a difference inside these walls, but also outside these walls. Because where there is no prophetic vision, the people perish. And we don't want to perish. We don't want to perish. We want to be about where God would have us to be. So we do ministry inside, but we'd better be doing ministry in our community. We'd better be looking at who, who are you called to be and how do you fulfill that? When we lose our prophetic vision, we cast off restraint and live life however we want to. It's not about God anymore. It's about us. We rely on God's grace for us, but we have a hard time giving that grace to others. But who is it that God wants in his body? Everybody. everybody. All means all. He wants everybody to come to know him. You know, when we talk about fulfilling God's call in your life, the first thing, God wants a relationship with you. If you don't know him, talk to me, talk to somebody. You know, come to know who he is. He loves you and wants to be a part of your life. So some of us have a hard time extending it. The other side of that is some of us take a club because we have a hard time extending grace to ourselves. So we take a club and go, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm, I'm a mistake. Please put the club away. Our God loves you where you are, as you are. He won't leave you there because he loves you so much that, that he's going to move you to a new place. But he loves you, Caden, where you are and as you are. That's our God. That's how much he loves you. It's incredible. It's incredible how much he wants to be a part of our lives. He has a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11, we talked about it last week. He has a plan for each of us. That incredible love of John 3, 16 and 17. He has that for us. And part of the reason, I like to switch this proverb just a little bit. Because where there is prophetic vision, where there is vision, the people thrive. The people thrive. And they seek the things of God. So we could focus on where there is no vision, but I like to go the other way, as you've been here for a while. 
Yeah, that's true, that where there is no vision, the people perish. But guess what? Where there is vision, the people will thrive and they will seek the things of God and seek to honor him. So as we at Arbor Point look at what does it mean to be a church of inspiration? What does it mean to inspire people to fulfill God's call in their life? There's power in that. Helping people to fulfill God's call. And we'll find our lives transformed by the answering of that call for each of us. And God's going to use you and me to reach other people. And their life is going to be transformed. And, and people aren't going to be the same. Not because of me or because of you. But because of who God is working through us and reaching people in his name. That's, that's, that's where we're headed. Vision is powerful. Bill Hybels. He defines vision as a picture of the future that produces a passion in the heart of the people. You want to know what God's after for you? What are you passionate about for him? What is it that, that you do for him that just makes you just get up and go? Is it music? Is it art? Is it, is it relationship building? Whatever it is, he's got a plan. He's, he, he's got something for you. As we connect people to their calling with their spiritual gifts, talents, and passions, it's going to, it, hearts are going to be changed. God is the changer of the hearts of the heart, but he uses us as an instrument in order to accomplish that. He uses a lot of other things, but he uses us too. The heart of the person answering their calling and the heart of those that they come in contact with will be, will be changed. Andy Stanley, he defines vision as a clear mental picture of what could be, fueled by the conviction that it should be. Vision is a preferred future. It's about possibilities. All things are... possible. Oh, yeah, that's it. All things are possible. What was once just a dream, through the power of God, can become a reality. God's preferred future is to see us live a life of abundance. Now, that's not about stuff. Abundance in relationships, abundance in spiritual, spiritual growth, abundance might be in stuff. If it is, then share that with others in wisdom and in the impact upon lives that God is going to have as God uses you to do what is impossible. God will use you to do that which is impossible. Let that sink in. To do that which is impossible. Where there is prophetic vision, the people thrive and seek the things of God. Where there is revelation, where there is a God-first focus, the people thrive and seek the things of God. This is an exciting time to be here at Arbor Point. It, 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 there's, there's a lot going on, but, but even beyond that, God moving in this place. And I'm looking forward to thriving in the name of Jesus. Thriving in the name of Jesus. Man, if you'll, if you'll come up. There are some basic tenets um, that we're going to explore over the next six weeks. You see, we have a part to play. And so us as a church can embrace some things that bring about fruit. Galatians 5, and 23 gives us the fruit of the Spirit. 
And so we're going to look at, from a Methodist perspective, but look at things that bring about fruit. So, so it's the five practices of fruitful congregations is the base of what we're going to be using. Um, but the, we're going to talk about radical hospitality, not just being nice to one another and welcome, but being what is radical hospitality? What is passionate worship about? You've experienced some of that this morning, by the way. Intentional faith development. Reverend Witt is going to help us with that, with that on the 19th. Risk-taking mission and service. And extravagant generosity. What do those things look like? And how can we embrace those so that we can fulfill where God would have us to be? Where there is revelation, the people thrive and seek the things of God.